God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like, but now we do. We are in a series working from the Gospel of John, asking ourselves the question, who is God and how does God reveal himself to us in Jesus? And we're trying to look at what Jesus said and did from that perspective. As we see Jesus, as we hear him, as we understand what he's done, then we are seeing God in action. This is, this is what God is like. And we're moving past, uh, last week we had the cleansing of the temple, before that we had John's introduction of Jesus, and now we're moving into Jesus' meeting, the way John uh, puts it together in his book. Jesus' meeting with two people. One is Nicodemus, very famous, and the other pretty famous, but a little less famous than Nicodemus, is the Samaritan woman at the well. Both of these are well-known stories, packed with tension, packed with drama, packed with personal contact, and packed with theological depth. And both stories take place with quite different people, in a quite different context. So today we're going to, um, we're in, instead of uh, tackling Nicodemus today and then tackling this, the woman at the well next week, I'd like to tackle the stories this way. Today we're going to look at each story, not from the perspective of what Jesus said, but from the perspective of who the person was that Jesus was talking to. Who are these two people? What are their similarities? What are their differences? We're going to set them side by side. And then next week, we'll look more deeply at what Jesus said to them, hopefully each of them, hopefully understanding a little better what their context was. So what I'd like to do is start with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is, of course, you know, the Pharisee who came uh, to Jesus at night. I'm going to read from John chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus. The verses 1 to 15 should appear on your screen, or feel free, of course, to use your own Bible. And as we're listening, and I realize this is a little bit difficult because this is just such a familiar story, try not to think so much about what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, But try just to read in here, what is Nicodemus like? What kind of a person do we have here in front of us? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So that's Nicodemus, who meets Jesus. And now we're going to skip over a little section of the end of chapter 3 and go to chapter 4 of John, where Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman. And we're going to um, start from... Verse 4, John 4, reading through 26. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which would have been noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Again, quite familiar stories, and what I'd like to do is focus, again, as I already said this morning, on who are these two people. And in my, one of my purpose in doing that is to try to understand who they are, but also both this week and next week to try to pull us away, if we can, a little bit from a lot of the assumptions that we just carry into these stories. We've all heard these stories probably all of our lives, and, and we have all kinds of ideas about what these stories are trying to teach us and it's really helpful to just dive into it almost as much as possible with a blank slate what's what's really here and what's what's Jesus saying and 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 who are these two people and what are they saying so who are these two people well one of them is Nicodemus and the first difference between these two people is that Nicodemus has a name and the woman doesn't and you'll notice, uh, would you just slip back one slide, uh, Christopher, thank you. You'll notice I chose the painting on the right for the woman because she doesn't have a face. She's anonymous. So this one man comes to Jesus with a name, and the other has no name. I mean, she has a name, but we just have no idea what it is. The second difference between the two, thanks, Christopher, go ahead, is... Obviously, we have a man. We have a woman. So again, these first two stories that John's telling about Jesus meeting these real-life people, here's a man, and here's a woman. And then there's another thing about these two people. There's going to be a number of things. Uh, go on, Christopher. One is Urban Nicodemus. He's a man of the city, man of Jerusalem, the capital city. Washington, D.C., so to speak. And this woman is rural. It was probably a little bigger than a little tiny village, but it, she was rural. She was, she was going out to, to the well to get her water. She was, she was, she was leading a rural life. So you have this, this urbanite, this sophisticated urbanite, and you have this rural uh, village dweller so to speak not to say anything deprecating about that at all but you just have these two differences and then the meeting occurs and I've, I've really spent this whole week just trying to go through and think of the details the one meeting occurs in a house and not all these uh, details are relevant by the way the one meeting is in a house and the one is outside at a well at noon the blazing the blazing uh, part of the day Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Go, yeah. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. The woman is most likely, and again, uh, we assume she's a homemaker of some kind, but I don't want to just assume things, so it's some of these things I'm putting a question mark behind because these are things that we tend to assume, but the text doesn't tell us. She likely was a homemaker, but the text doesn't really say. In any case, Nicodemus was a professional Pharisee, and this woman was not 
in that sense, a professional person. Nicodemus was a member of the ruling council. So in Jerusalem, this urban center, there was this ruling council, the group that made the rules, the group that ran the place. And this woman, we don't know that she had any position at all, likely not. But again, the text doesn't say anything about that. She could have been a very wise and important village uh, person in her village. We just don't know. But that's not given in either case in the text. Nicodemus was a Jew. And the woman was a Samaritan. And I think you all are biblically literate enough to know that there's a tribal, uh, 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 an ethnic tribal clash here. The Bible, especially the New Testament, is full of the stories about the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. So Nicodemus is a Jew, and this woman is a Samaritan. And again, Jesus and then John in his editing are choosing to set these things over against each other. Nicodemus was privileged. You know, all the privilege in the world. He was at the top of the pecking order, the top of the food chain. And the woman was, I really should have put a question mark that I thought he did, uh, was likely an outcast. Again, the, the scriptures doesn't say that she was an outcast. But it's likely that she was, and most commentators suggest that she was because she came to the well at noontime, which was not the usual time to coming to the well, reading between the lines, perhaps trying to avoid social engagement. Again, the text doesn't say that, so I want to put a little question mark there, but that's a good possibility. Nicodemus was powerful, person of privilege, Educated, position, member of the council, Jewish, male. And the woman was exploited. Even if she had had five legal husbands, and the five legal husbands had divorced her, which was legal to do, she still would have been an exploited person. I don't think there's much doubt about that. In the best case scenario, an exploited person. Nicodemus was wealthy. And one of the reasons we know that is because when Jesus uh, was buried, it was Nicodemus that provided the spices for his, um, for his burial, which was very expensive in that time. So Nicodemus, was, he had to be a wealthy person. And the woman was likely poor. Again, the Bible doesn't say. But almost certainly compared to Nicodemus, she was, she was on, the, on the lower side of the, of the income scale. Nicodemus was honored. Nicodemus would have been able to walk through Jerusalem and had people respect him. And again, it's most likely, reading a little bit between the lines here, that this woman would not have had a position of honor in her, in her town, in the, in the city of Samaria. Likely not. 
Nicodemus had access to the temple. This is something we talked about last week. Nicodemus had access to the temple. I don't know if he was a Levite, and I don't know if he or his family could have gone into the Holy of Holies that one time a year. I don't know about that. But he certainly would have had the most access to the temple as anybody. And this woman would have had absolutely no, no access mostly because she was a Samaritan. She likely would not have even made it, you remember last week this temple that we showed, to the court of the Gentiles. She likely would not have made it there. She just simply had no access. Nicodemus was outwardly moral. I don't know what his heart was like, of course. But outwardly, he was a fine, upstanding man. The Samaritan woman, we don't really know. If you read the commentaries, and in general you look through the literature, she gets, uh, she gets painted as, as, as a slut, actually. But it's very possible that she could have had five husbands, a couple of which would have died, perhaps, Think of uh, Naomi and Naomi's daughters, whose husbands both died. Or a husband or two who divorced her, and that divorce was totally one-sided. The law of Moses granted for the husband to divorce the woman. So the simple fact that she had had five husbands, and it's not even sure whether the translation of the word here is, is just husband or man, that's all a little bit uncertain. So I don't want to just say, oh, this was just some kind of a slut. I don't want to say that at all. We just, we just don't know. But obviously Nicodemus, outwardly speaking, had his act together. Nicodemus came by night. So this meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus was at night, and the meeting between uh, Jesus and the woman, the Samaritan woman, was during the middle of the day at noon. Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. So he had, this, he had this goal. He wanted to speak with Jesus. That was his reason for coming in contact with Jesus. The woman was coming to draw water. She wasn't expecting to meet anybody, most likely. She was just doing, doing her thing. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi. This, this kind of a technical term for teacher well-known in the Jewish community. And the woman refers to Jesus as sir or lord. The word is kurios, the Greek word for lord that's used there, sometimes translated sir. Just a little difference in the way they relate to him. Here's a similarity. They both saw Jesus alone. They both were alone with Jesus. I find it really interesting as I thought about it this week. Again, these first stories that John tells about Jesus very important foundation stones for the rest of the gospel. There are these two one-on-one meetings between Jesus and these two very different people. Then in the story of Nicodemus, Nicodemus initiates the contact. He gets up, gets out of his house, and goes to Jesus because he has these questions. And in the woman at the well, it's Jesus who initiates the contact. She likely, just having seen a man sitting or standing there, would not have made any contact with him at all. I would imagine most likely. It was Jesus that took the initiative 
to reach out and make a request for water from her. And then there's also a little difference in, these, in the two conversations they have, and we'll get into this a little more next week. The, the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus was, was kind of a theological one. It, was, it, it stayed a little bit in the, in the upper levels, so to speak. The conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman was theological. There was a fair amount of theology, but it was also very personal. We read the story about uh, the husbands and, and, and Jesus' interaction with her on, on her actual life history. So there's this kind of a difference between these two, between these two stories. The main image coming out of each of these two stories in the Nicodemus one is the born again. You must be born again is the way we know this. And in the, the interaction with the Samaritan woman, it's the, it's the image of the living water. That's the image that you walk away with. So Jesus, in his interaction with each of these two very different people, comes up with two very different images that as the people walked away and left those conversations, it was those images that they would have taken with them. And then the last thing, and this is something that both of them have in common, they both misunderstand. (laughs) They both don't get it. I find that also interesting. Here's two people in the context understanding the language, understanding the culture, understanding where they are. And Jesus speaks to them. And they both don't get it. So now I've kind of put the list side by side and I've taken out some of the stuff just for readability's sake that's not relevant like I don't think night and day is particularly relevant and a few other things aren't particularly relevant but 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 look at these look at these the contrast between these two people and ask yourself with which of these people do you identify the most Or maybe which of these words, these descriptions, applies to you? You may be a man, but you may be exploited. That's possible. Just, just take 30 seconds. you find yourself more like Nicodemus? Do you find yourself more like the woman? Perhaps a mix? And what would have been it like if Jesus had spoken to you? To what would Jesus invite you? Jesus invited Nicodemus and he invited the woman into new life. He invited Nicodemus to be born again or from above. We'll dive into that a little bit next week. 
He invited the woman to drink of this water that was so powerful that she would never thirst again. Or maybe to use another image, Jesus invites them into the fellowship meal that is the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, the powerful Pharisee, and the anonymous exploited Samaritan woman are both invited into the kingdom of God. Who they were and what they had done or not done could not qualify them, nor could it disqualify them. For both of them, the invitation to the dinner was open. Here's Jesus' invitation in a more modern form. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. Hope dwindled. Hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles. Shared joy. Shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled not with food and wine, but with compassion. We come now to this table invited by Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you're Nicodemus or whether you're the Samaritan woman, or whoever you are, known by others or anonymous. People are suffering. Anxiety runs high. Hope may be dwindling. Hatred appears to be rising. Trust is ebbing away. We may be losing trust in the system and in each other. But Jesus did something. He prepared a meal where people could come together and see how much they have in common, whether you're a Pharisee or a Samaritan woman. A place where people can share struggles and joys. A place where people can share pain. A place where people can meet Jesus and hear him in words that speak to their hearts in their situation. Invite them. Invite us. Invite you into this new life. On the night 
in which he gave himself up for us. He took bread. He gave thanks to God. He broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Some refuse to sit at the table because they choose to only see differences. Some do not come because they're too proud to be at the table, at the same table as that other one. Some don't come because they feel unworthy or guilty. So this morning, hear the invitation of Jesus. Be born again. Drink the living water. My body has been given for you. My blood has been poured out for you. I'd like to invite you to take a moment of prayer, first of silent prayer, and to just communicate with God what you need to do as preparation for coming to this table.